You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as all of this wonderful show, and joining me on the other line for our weekly show to talk about the four-seeded Indiana Pacers, a team that has vaulted up the standings in the last day and a half thanks to back-to-back wins. Mr. Tony East from Forbes.com and the West Indianapolis Community News. Tony, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm having a good Valentine's Day. I just had a nice brunch and vacuumed. And... Valentine's Day? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Uh, I can't believe the Pacers are the four seed after their tough stretch of like three wins in 10 games and four game losing streak but Celtics also struggling and no one's really put the pressure on from behind yet so after a nice win over the Hawks and a less nice but still good win over the Pistons the Pacers are back and forth look at them go so uh, some good stuff to talk about some some decent injury updates there's a lot of there's a lot of good coming in from the Pacers side right now we'll see if it can sustain yeah, they're on a two-game win streak after losing four in a row previously. My dog in the background seems to enjoy that one. Um, <laughs> so on today's show, what we're going to talk about is the Miles Turner lineups uh, and TJ McConnell specifically. Um, little Aaron Holiday, who we have both rightly criticized and finally had a nice recovery game on Saturday night. And then we'll preview this, this week's games. Um, I think first, though, we want to just touch on some news real fast before we kind of yeah. dive in. Um, TJ Warren... TJ Warren will rejoin the team at some point, according to uh, um, J. Michael. J. Michael. Um, that does not mean he's going to play, but it means we'll start seeing him on the sidelines. We saw the same thing with Karis LeVert this week, I want to say, starting in Brooklyn. He finally, like, he was at the Detroit game, Atlanta game. So just, it's good and it means the next step of terms of return that the guys are actually, like, with the team and traveling a little bit. So that's a good sign, at least. Yeah, J. Michael said that Bjorkren said Warren rejoining the team is, quote, coming really soon. That doesn't mean, and Jay thankfully pointed this out, does not mean he's practicing. That doesn't mean he's playing in games. That doesn't mean he's working out or anything. That means he's literally going to, like, be in the facility and they can, like, work with him more directly that way instead of him, you know, just recovering at home and getting his foot right. So that's the first step, though, and that could mean we get, like, an actual – like timeline, holy cow! People could stop asking me for a timeline, and then Karis, I ask that question every single time we talk. I know, so. I know, I understand why. It's okay, Karis. Yeah, Karis Levert with the team in Brooklyn. Uh, funny that that was his first road trip, and he gets to see his old team, which is cool. But well, I'm uh, wondering if he was in Brooklyn already because where he's living. That's possible. That's very. That's why you kind of like. Oh, why didn't so come he, back there? He's been. Uh, Bjorkren said he's moving and like handling a ball, and he's not like in practice yet, but he is. You know able to do some stuff so that's good for him uh again the the recovery for him was i think gonna be like eight weeks and or longer so most likely longer so we'll see where that's at but good start for him so that's the injury stuff nothing really no updates but updates that updates are coming is basically what we got so yeah Yeah, so it's a good sign um as we head into the last i think we've got about three weeks left of this first half of the season and then be a little break so good uh Good sign for the Pacers team. But first, we want to talk about actually games that are happening and players that are happening uh, and doing things. And so Tony wanted to start with, and I agree with him on this one, the Miles Turner, uh, what do you want to call it? Like, Solo center Turner. Yeah. His, <laughs> I almost want to call it the exact opposite of what we've been thinking for the better part of a year and a half. <laughs> no kidding. In some way. <laughs> so let, let's start at the top here. This is absolutely no shade at Sabonis or his talents or what he has done for the oh, team. Oh, but Tony, the Twitter world would think what it is. I know. He's playing like 80% of the team's minutes, and they're one game over 500. Like, of course, his net rating is not going to be awesome. Anyway, Turner is 
also playing a lot of minutes, and he's the only center. So the stats I'm about to list are with just Turner on and Sabonis and Goga off. So I guess Jakar could technically win the game for like 10 of these possessions. But most of this is Turner as the only center and then either all guards and forwards lineups. 208 minutes, the Pacers have outscored their opponents by 75 points. They have 513 points on 439 possessions. That is a 116.9 offensive rating. Amazing. On defense, they've given up 438 points on 439 possessions. That is a below 199.8 defensive rating. So, with just Turner out there, they have just been mashing teams. And they did this against the Hawks for a little bit. Turner played, I think, the whole fourth quarter as the only center. I don't think Sabonis played in that fourth at all. No. Yeah, they scored 41 points and gave up something like 24. I don't remember exactly. It doesn't matter. And it's not like they're shooting, like, ridiculously well they're they're at 36.76 percent from three with those groups they just get a lot of stops they run in transition uh and they're able to to get in the paint and score because they have a lot of spacing and turner's cutting more and he's being decisive and those groups have been just so good it carried them to a much needed win against the hawks it, it's got them rolling and turner does a ton of credit for leading these units or not maybe not leading by himself but being a key factor in these units. Yeah, it's it's worth noting that the his this stat is carried by two games in particular. The Hawks game last night, like you said, where the Pacers had a plus 15 in the fourth quarter. Turner played all by himself. And then the Pelicans game from about a week and a half ago where he had a plus 10 in that fourth quarter where he played all by himself. Um, yep. But the reason he played all by himself is because both those okay. games, one Pacers <laughs> were losing by a decent amount and they basically like brought themselves back. And the other one tonight, he took a tie game or I think they were down by two heading into the, the fourth and carried it to it's kind of a blowout when the time this thing ended. Um, what difference from him this year between really any other year is that he is an elite level defender in a way he hasn't been. And his offense is like, not just like average, but actually a slightly above average. And at times like tonight, he had 19 points on six eleven shooting. Last night. Yeah. Last night. I'm sorry. Last night. So it's, uh, when he does things like that, it sort of helps. I mean, it makes him almost ha- can be the only center on the floor at times because his issue always has been is, can he put enough offense to meet his defense? And when he does that's night like last night or yeah, like last night, it's all, it's all good. Yeah, the, the pace of the team really suits him a little better this year. It allows him to just go right away and be really hard to guard because there's not a lot of seven-footers who can shoot, dribble, pass, cut, all that. There's None more of it's like high level. But, huh? There's more trust in him. I mean, yep, the definitely. coaching staff is like just letting him do things. Right, and their disruptive defensive style has suited him all season, especially against the Hawks, like you said, where this kind of took off. Not kind of like – it didn't take off last night. Like it was obviously good before, but last night kind of cemented it. Trey Young – they're just going to attack him the whole time. And I think Bjorkren's defensive system is really good against a team like the Hawks. And it worked really well. You know, Turner did a good job disrupting basically every player, including Trey Young, on, on anything, especially coming around screens. Like, Trey Young took zero threes. And the, the instinct for me was like, oh, wow, TJ McConnell and Justin Holiday, who were guarding him a lot of the game, like, did an awesome job. And so I asked Bjorkren about him taking no threes. And Bjorkren's like, yeah, those guys did well. But, like, our bigs did awesome. Like, when there were screens for Trey – Turner and Sabonis were up, ready. They met him. They forced the ball out of his hands. They recovered. And in the fourth quarter, specifically, when Trey came in, the Hawks were winning. And then they blew it completely because, you know, Turner was the lone center of that quarter. He did such a good job of that exact thing. His defense has been amazing. Like you said, what do you have, 19 points? I mean, he just – he's really clicking with the way they're playing and the units he's been in. And he, the starters have been worse. Not that, like, those players are less talented, but he's able to carry units in a way he hasn't been able to do in the past. Yeah, and I think something that's happened at least the last two games that's been the difference between Pacers kind of basically winning and losing is their first quarters have gotten off a lot better. Um, so they inserted yeah, McDermott yeah. into the lineup, which you, 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 you call they should do. So you should take a quick lap on that one. 
Um, well, I, I want to not give myself a victory lap because I said for Justin Holland. Yeah, because you picked the wrong player, but it was still the I, right <laughs> move. So, um, yes. But yes. What you're seeing is because Turner is, is at, a, at a better place offensively, when you kind of bring in that starting lineup, you put basically four or let's call it like three really good offensive players in Brogdon, Sabonis, and McDermott, and then you've got two good offensive players in Holiday and turn out there and it creates a really nice offensive lineup, right? They scored 27 yep. against the Hawks in the first quarter, 28 against the Pistons. Uh, that's in contrast to like a bunch of 20 point first quarters against teams like the Pelicans, teams like the, uh, like the Nets where they played a really terrible first quarter slash first half. So it's, it's all kind of adding together right now. I mean, the, the McDermott thing is just kind of the, the right little switch, but um, it's all, I think together partially because of Turner and just how good he's frankly been. Absolutely, that, that that's definitely true. Uh, the two games that we've seen the most dominant Turner five, which is Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, Aaron Holiday, Doug McDermott, TJ McConnell. They've only that group's only played in two games this year, which seems kind of low. But I guess Aaron's struggles are a factor in this. One was against the Hawks last night. They had thirty-four points on seventeen possessions in eight minutes. That's a two hundred offensive rating, which is ridiculous. And they played for fifty seconds against Portland a month ago. Right, so they've only played in two games. But that group has had barely had played for 50 seconds before last night. And then Turner was like, yeah, I can captain this group. And then they just took the, took the team to a win. And Aaron Holiday having an, an insanely good game was a big factor too. But it, it's been so impressive to me. Yeah, that's something we should mention. Um, you and I have rightly ragged on Aaron Holiday, I think, for a little bit. Maybe not ragged, but like been disappointed because we thought he was going to kind of become we a had to, We had to give him his flowers every time he plays well, given his season. He, he yeah, because he's not been very steady. I thought, you know, last year he was up and down, but his ups were really good. He didn't really have that many ups this year, but he did have that against the Hawks. Um, he finished, what, with, I think, it, with 18 points, right? 18 yep. points on 7-11 shooting. Um, he, play, he played the whole fourth quarter, too, I believe, and he was a huge part of kind of extending that lead in that fourth quarter. I think he had, I want to say he had 10 points in the fourth. It was either that or the third. He had, I think he had more than 10. He might, I, he might, you might be right. I don't know exactly, but yeah, he couldn't miss. He looked fantastic. This is a trend that I talked about with on the Indy Corners pod with Mark Schindler. I felt like Aaron had been playing kind of well recently, like even when the, in the losing streak, even though his shot wasn't falling at all, like his shooting percentages look trash. But when he's on the court, they've been outscoring teams like a lot recently. And then in this Hawks game, he, he finally himself put his stamp on the game. So really good credit to him. He, he, he was, had no problem attacking that defense. Yeah, the big thing about Aaron Hardy this year is just been his around the rim percentage has been way down compared to previous years. So if you look at yep. like inside three feet shooting, um, he previously had shot like 57 and 60% around the rim. This year it's 50%, and that's a big difference. He's doing wow. that, and he's not getting the line. I think he's getting the line at, at a lower rate. So he's had the lowest amount of free throw attempts Correct. per game in his career too. So those combinations together are not good. Um, right. So that, that's where he's at where he's at right now. Because the three-point shot, I think we expect to fall eventually. You know, he's just that kind I of agree. shooter where up and down. Some nights, you know, he'll have a month where he shoots really well and it gets up to like 30. You know, he's probably somewhere in the 37% where he should be at the end of the season. It's, it's the around the rim where he's got to convert or get fouls to be able to stay on the court and be the offensive player it needs to be. Right. Yeah, I agree with all that. He's at 40% from two-point range, which he just can't be. And, he, and yeah. I think something for him that I actually – this is a development thing is in the past I felt like he didn't go for the floater as much where he's going for that floater a lot more this year, especially the lefty floater, which where is that coming from? But if he can develop that into a weapon, that's really helpful for a guy who's six feet tall because a lot of times they can't get shots off in there because they're shorter. So if he can get that floater working, that help him a lot. He had it going against the Hawks. So well, watch his counterpart, Trey, Trey Young. Trey Young's got a beautiful <laughs> exactly. floater. Trout every a, time, nails it in. and just He's so good at that. He is a masterful floater guy. Yeah, exactly. Karras has a really nice floater too, but he's six six. You know, he's just that's just what he well, does. Well, so does TJ Warren, who's like also yeah. six 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 yeah. seven. 
it's just, like, it's, it, it's more paramount when you're six feet tall. Yeah, well, because it, it, it's a much higher arc. It, like, you gotta, like, like, Warren's is kind of more like kind of a straight floater, kind of like Sabonis is, but, like, Trey Young's is like, like a, like a Steph Curry three-point kind of floater. Yeah. So, the, the, no shade to Sabonis, who played amazing against the Pistons, has been their only good player in a lot of the, the games that this team has been terrible this year. He, he had, what did he have, 26 and 9, 25? I don't know. He dominated the Pistons, like, completely dominated them. He was their only good player against the Bucks, and he was their only good player against the Jazz, and he played pretty well even in their loss to the, the Nets, right? Like, he's been really good for them, but I just wanted to highlight these Turner as the lone center lineups because they've been really cru- – they were really crucial against the Hawks. They've been really crucial all year long, and it's got them back on track because they took away Goga from the rotation for the last two games, and that gave them more of the solo miles minutes, and that was a big factor in them winning twice. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, we're not going to talk about Sabonis, though, even though he is the best player. Now we have a, we want to talk about TJ McConnell, who we both think might be having, I don't know, the, obviously having career season, but maybe having a low-key one of the best, maybe the Pacers six-man-of-the-year level type of season. But first, Not even maybe. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess maybe six-man-of-the-year. Maybe he'll even take on uh, Jordan Clarkson for it in some way. Sniffing him. We'll see. Right, getting close. Anyway. Yeah. But first, today's Locked On Pacers Pockets is brought to you by Bet Online. .ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline.ag even covers things like awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Got everything from future bets on the NBA, like MVP, first coach fired, sixth man of the year, who, like I said, probably Jordan Clarkson right now, but maybe Peter McConnell makes a run for him. BetOnline.ag has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. the best way and the place to place your bets, it, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. Tony, you pointed this set out to me, but Aaron, or not Aaron, like TJ McConnell is leading the league or tied for first in assists per 100 possessions. What that means is because McConnell doesn't play like a ton of minutes per game, talking somewhere in like the I think the mid 20 range he's averaging 23 minutes he's averaging 14 assists per 100 possessions which puts him on pace with somebody like James Harden this year he yeah he's tied for the league league lead in assists per 36 minutes and he is first in assists per 100 possessions he's ahead of Harden by 0.3 just insane and he was pretty high up last year I think in these stats I don't remember exactly where he ended up uh, like third or fourth which like no slouch but being first is is just a different mammal of like or mammal mammoth of like wow like you know that's crazy and even per game like yeah his minutes are up from last year but his assists are up from five to basically seven he's at 6.8 he's only playing four more minutes so get, he's basically getting two extra assists in four extra minutes of play and like with turner who we just talked about recently we've seen the ways that the bjorkren system really helps mcconnell because they want to pressure the ball all the time even under mcmillan tj mcconnell was pressuring the ball full court doing this do that um he was a plus 32 against the Hawks, which was disgusting. Which, frightening that they lost uh, the other 16 minutes by 20 points, but they did amazing with him in the game because he's just all over the ball. And then the way Bjorker wants to play offense, which is get to the rim, get to the rim, attack the rim, attack the paint, go, we'll get shots as a result of that. McConnell did that anyway, too, under McMillan. So this, this new system has really catered to his skill set. And recently we've seen him, I mean, basically since – Let's, let's do this. Since McConnell became a dad. <laughs> so the Portland game till now, he's averaging eight assists per game in 26 minutes, uh, which is just ridiculous. So he has just been 
so special recently. And it, it, it's blowing my mind how good he's been at setting up his teammates. Yeah, and we've seen the pitch sort of inches minutes up more and more, partially because of some injuries, right? They got rid of Vic and they had to find the guard minutes there. But really, it's because despite McConnell being, I don't know, a negative offensive player in terms of shooting-wise, he is – taking them now. Yeah, well, he's taking threes now, so that's also – just weird. <laughs> well, I mean, a couple have gone in too, so it's also been good. Yeah. Uh, he is their best net rating player, like every two-man combination. So, like, if you take him and Turner are the best net rating on the team at, at plus 18, but then McConnell's and Justin Holliday are really good net rating. Then McConnell and McDermott, McConnell and Brogdon. I mean, they're all, like, these awesome net ratings because when he's on the floor, despite not being able to shoot, he can create so much offense just because he can – like, he knows where to find the right pass. He gets the offense flowing. He pushes the pace better than any pacer player, frankly. Um, and defensively – he has been more aggressive. He maybe hasn't been like, he's still kind of vulnerable because he's, I don't know, six one six two. But like even t- uh, last night against the Hawks, he really did a good job on that box and one, really being up in Trey Young's grill, guarding him basically eight, you know, 94 feet down the floor. Like th- things like that add up over time and help make his defense maybe like subpar level. Yeah, I I would say he's above that. I mean, you man, think so? You might be right. You might. I mean, right. I guess so. The thing is, he gets he's the so steal. limited by his size there. That that's yeah, fair. he gets the steals, and he and I think you're right. I, I I guess the thing is that he's just like in general, like in the regular season, he, it'll, it'll work. But I, I'm afraid when it comes to like a playoff time, he's gonna be exposed because he's so small. You can switch it on him. But right now, he's just doing such a good job of just being in people's faces, and he's kind of to me doing the the Chris Paul tactic where you just like you're just so aggressive and so constantly like hitting people basically that like yeah. Jeremy McCall foul every time. And at that point, like you're such a nuisance that people just kind of like get annoyed being guarded by you in some ways. Yeah. So who do you think TJ McConnell's leading assist guy is? Who do you think he's gotten the most assists to this season? I mean, I want to, the obvious is Doug McDermott, but you're going to tell me that's wrong. No, that is right. Oh, that is right. Okay. That I is correct. Him and Doug have a connection that like, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, I was going to, I was just going to try to point out that I think, for me, his passing has been more dynamic this year a little bit. Like, he's getting a – I guess the the rim and three thing is really helping his passing too because it's always easier to find guys. But he has 37 assists to McDermott, 23 to Justin Holiday, 20 to Miles Turner, 26 to Sabona, 16 to Brogdon, 18 to Aaron Holiday, right? So, yeah, you're right. It's kind of easy to target the best guy there. But that's pretty balanced. And he's able to get these guys the ball in their best spots a lot. A lot of shooters in there between – basically everybody on the team's in there but lots of lots of good shooters in there I think I want to see his ratio of assisted threes compared to last year but I just he's just setting up a wide variety of guys too which has been a big thing for the team yeah well McDermott's also making a, about a shot and a half more than last year per game which that's also, true and not even yeah. from three <laughs> no I mean I mean the biggest McConnell's been one of his best um him it's a bonus really have been the best at, at kind of finding a cutting McDermott or like yeah uh, I mean, I can vision the play in my mind, basically where they where they put the ball on one side of the key and let kind of they set some off ball screen, let McDermott run around and eventually catch kind of at the maybe free throw line, kind of cutting, and he just kind of rolls in to the rim, and that's and that's been McConnell's bread and butter with with, with McDermott. So so this year, ninety of his one hundred and seven assists on two pointers have led to shots at the rim. Ninety out of one hundred and seven. That's that's like eighty five percent. Last year it was one hundred and fifty four out of two fifteen, which is like seventy percent. So. Getting more looks at the rim for his teammates. The three-point ratio is still really similar. He's just – he's just it, it, the, the way he's able to get in the paint, especially against zones even recently, like the way he's just able to like carve up guys and he'll drive baseline and jump in the air and find a shooter on the other side. It's just been really impressive. He's got a few – you know what well, pass I loved against the Hawks that he's done a few times this year? Is he'll get low on the block and realize he draws the switch when he runs under the basket. So he'll turn around like he's going to do that fadeaway shot that he does. He just 
like lobs it over to the big. <laughs> and then, then the, Miles Turner hit a few or two of those last night. Uh, that's been working around. Like it's just, it's so impressive how he's able to lead basically any unit with his creation there. His limitations are obvious. Like you said, off the ball, not useless necessarily, but kind of useless. And his shooting, despite him taking more, I think he's actually shooting like 50% in this month, which is hilarious. Uh, from three this month, okay, 37.5%. So one more make could be at 50%. He's 5.15 from three. Yeah, he's making an okay number of threes. but I mean, that's, no, if he can just replicate that, that's good enough to like that is. hard sometimes. Takes a, most of them are from the corner twos. So that's fine. But, yeah, in, he's short, so his defense, he basically only guard point guards. But he, I don't know if this is playoff replicatable. I kind of don't think so. But the system is perfectly catered to the things he's good at, so there's a good chance that it, it, he'll be better in the playoffs, and that's really an important part of this too. He was yeah, the thing is, if you're year. a good coach, you're like basically saying, "Wash McConnell inbounds pass and make that like a, like one of your like points." But <laughs> yeah, it's right because a lot of teams give up the ball on the, on the inbounds because they just don't like they're just not either well coached every single night or they're not thinking about it. Um, right. I do think though, if he can over this year develop a three-point shot at a rate of like in the mid-30s like we're not even like talking like maybe 33 or 35 it makes him playable in the playoffs a little bit because if he can because if he's not afraid to take it and he can make it at a decent even they, even if defenses cater the ball to get the ball to him in the corner he makes it enough of a rate um it does make him at least playable in some ways because you have brogdon who they can play at the two guard you can guard the you know the shooting guard or small four everything him do i mean there's he is playable in some of those ways. Defensively, though, it, it, he's just a liability. But if you're playing another team as a small guard, you might be okay. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Uh, apparently, in the Zoom press conference he did today, he said he doesn't put a lot of stock in plus-minus. So, single game plus-minus is usually a junk stat, but it's fun to talk about when a guy is plus 32 like he was against the Hawks, even though, like he said, it's, it's mostly meaningless. He wasn't a lot of good lineups that game. And he's been playing really good this year, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. So, one, one question. Do you think Bjorkman sees himself in McConnell? himself Bjorkman never know. played or pro like, so I doubt body, it how Bjorkman wants to play basketball is like through McConnell because they feel a little bit like that <laughs> like he's using TJ as the vessel for himself because it's like you know I the know. short small guy because Bjorkman's not very tall right and no so, he's tiny yeah yeah I mean obviously McConnell's bigger than him but I feel like some of McConnell's success with Bjorkman I feel like it's partially that Bjorkman like see like sees like how he wants to play basketball through McConnell in some ways you know, all in the offseason, we always talked about like what player is going to benefit the most from Bjorkren's system. And Turner was a common answer, and Warren got a little love, and Aaron Holiday got a lot of love there. And the, the buzzwords of Bjorkren, aggressive, disruptive, attack the paint, they that kind be, of stuff. Yeah, in be. retrospect, it's like, duh, <laughs> why wasn't my answer TJ McConnell? Like, that's what he does already. So it's it's fun that it's it like like with Turner, the, the change in system was, okay, now we're gonna do we're gonna do things that Turner is not as good at. We're gonna do stuff that he is good at instead. With McConnell, it's we're gonna take the stuff he's already good at and do more of that. Which one is more valuable? Well, we've seen both be valuable at times with the two players we have highlighted today. But with McConnell, especially so recently, it's been extra valuable. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I think it's worth noting most of the players on this team are playing better than they did last year because if you take out the fact that the Pacers lost their like second and third best player or third and fourth best player. I don't think they'd have the same record as last year. Maybe they would, but it, it would be maybe quite not quite on that level, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I mean, I, I think a, a similar team would probably be, what, like 12 and 15, maybe. maybe. It wouldn't be, like, that far off, but they'd be not quite as good. I mean, it's, they're relying a lot on guys who are sort of not used to it and are succeeding, at least in some ways. Right. So, um, all right, let's do this. Let's take one more break, and then we're going to preview the three games coming up this week. But first, today's Locked On Page of Podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. 
wonderful friends over at Built Bar have been sponsoring this podcast for a long time, and we love them. They make 18 amazing different protein bars that are 100% covered in chocolate. Everything from like a raspberry one to lemon almond cheesecake to my favorite one, the peanut butter brownie. The bars are soft and easy to chew. They're great for somebody that's trying to be healthy conscious. If you're either trying to lose or maintain weight, it's a great treat to indulge in on the side. Uh, my favorite one, like I said, the peanut butter one is 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, and 5 grams of sugar. And right now, let's go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You'll get 20% off your next order. Go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, for 20% off your next order. So the Pacers take on the Chicago Bulls for the second time this season. They beat the Bulls in the second game of the year, 125-106. On Monday night at home at 7 p.m. Eastern, Tony, do you have Chicago's numbers up? Of course. I'm prepared this week. I got all three teams' numbers up. I'm ready to go. Bulls are 17th in offense at 112, 23rd in defense at 113.3 for a 20th best net rating of minus 1.4. Up and down season, they haven't really had a long losing streak. I think their longest one is actually only four games. They haven't had a winning streak more than three games. So the Bulls, with better coaching, have improved, and they bounce around a lot, but they, they are still kind of one of the weaker teams in the East. They're not bad, but they're definitely weaker. Yeah, Um so of their kind of butcher level players, there's probably, I guess because marketing is out right now. Well, I was, was going to say that the thing about looking at their butchery players is marketing who did well. I think he did pretty well against the Pacers when they played early in the season. That was like the Bulls' second game. Yeah, marketing had 16 points that game. He's out. He, he's hurt his shoulder. He's out. So they're really going to be guard. I mean, well, Wendell Carter's a good player, but he has never – Filled it he up also didn't, he didn't play uh, Friday against the Clippers as well. Yeah, so it's really Levine and Kobe White, and they have uh, they have Thad Young who they did not have the first time the Pacers played. Ooh, the true, so. Thad Young, the triple double machine. Yeah, he's been really good this year. Yeah, That's been shocking. really good this year. Um, but Levine is the start point for them because I mean, even when they what, what did he end up with when they played over the season, they did a good job actually. He only had 17 points on 13 shots. He didn't play that much. The Pacers destroyed the Bulls in this game, but. Um, He's been really good for them this year. All-star contender, 28 points a game, hitting 43% of his threes, just ripping them and making them. I think him and Kobe White became the first pair of teammates to both make eight threes against, uh, I forget who it was, the Spurs maybe, the Spurs last week. So those two have been really good. Zach Levine's been incredible. And that's where the Bulls are, is they're a really good perimeter guard team and less so everywhere else. Yeah, I think I want to make the case for Thad Young to be the butcher just because the old pacer, you and I had a great admiration for him because he was just kind of the like – He's good. <laughs> I mean, he was just good. He just brought it every night, played 80-plus games every year, it felt like. Um, the, in the last, since the month of February started, they played seven times the Bulls have. He's averaging 13.4 points, five rebounds, and five assists roughly, but he's shooting 64% from the field. Wow. Which is really good. Um, he's not taking a ton of threes. He's only 30% from three, but he's taking less than 0.4 games. I assume over seven games, about three threes. Um, but he is uh, – he's just doing what he did with the Pacers. He's just being like a consistent kind of almost pest in a way to other teams where like he just puts up his little – his numbers can be kind of a factor on, on defense whenever he's out there. Um, he's, he's been pretty good. He's one of their few kind of plus players considering their, their record. Yeah, he's a lot to get traded this year, I feel like. <laughs> What's he making, 14 this year and 14 next year? Something like that. Uh, I think he's a player option next year. I forget exactly. Okay, he's but he's not picking him well, up. Maybe he'll opt out and get more money. Yeah, who knows? We were thinking next, last contract leaving the Pacers might be his last one. Who knows? But yeah, the, the, this Bulls team, pretty good shooting team from deep. Uh, finishes a lot of good shots on the inside. It doesn't take a ton of them. So 
Uh, their offensive attack is balanced. Their defensive attack is pretty bad. They give up the high, second highest rate of made two-pointers in the league, which for a Pacers team that loves to attack the rim uh, is a good sign. I'm tip picking Sabonis as my X factor despite struggles for Sabonis is a hilarious word because he's still really good even at his worst this season. He's been playing lesser than he normally does of late. He's still amazing. Uh, they're going to have Wendell Carter, and I guess Thad might guard him a little bit. Maybe Daniel Gafford. Uh, either, either way, he's either getting a young guy or a shorter guy on him. I think Sabonis can have a good game against this Bulls team. I would agree with you. Sabonis might have good night every night, but it, well, it, can, it can be efficient or not. Um, he yep. had 22 last time against the Bulls, went 8 of 11. Now, the one thing about the last time they played the Bulls was Warren and Oladipo played in that game, so there's not oh, a lot. Oh, Warren of- played. Yeah, wow. Yeah, Warren had 23 and Oladipo Warren led the team in scoring, yeah. Exactly. So, not a lot you take away from that game. Um, wow. but I, th- I think I'll go with the other Pacers best player, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. I think he'll have a nice night. Uh, I don't really know who will be guarding him. Probably Kobe White, right? I guess. <laughs> I, yeah, I have no idea. Right? I mean, that's the thing. That's, that's the point. Does it matter? <laughs> no, it doesn't. I think he's, he's, he's due for a pretty good a night. Um, he was a little better against the Hawks offensively than he had been. Um, let's see. With Detroit, he had he about found eight. the assist. He, was, he finally found the passing balance a little more. Yeah, he hasn't had one of those, like, what? 30 point games or 20 high 20 point games in probably the better part of two weeks. Right. Yep. I'm trying to think the last time he had a really big game. Uh, I'm looking up real fast. So last time 23 had, against the Grizzlies. Yeah. So he's been in the teens the past seven games, six games. So I, I think he's due for a night where he, you know, can make, let's say four of eight threes, get the line a few times, put up, you know, 27 points. Like yeah. That. The eight assists against the Hawks was his highest of the month. Um, he's only had more than seven assists twice since his uh, big, huge bounce back game against Toronto last month so good to see him get a little more involved in in the ways he hasn't been recently and he still found a way to get his 18 points that's a good pick they don't have any any answers for him I think the Pacers have figured some stuff out with lineups they got lame in the right spot McDermott starting makes sense given who's healthy they figured out the Turner lineup group McConnell's balling so unfortunately for the Bulls who are an okay team I think Markin and being out is going to really hurt them in a game where the Pacers are, are figuring some stuff out. So I'm picking the Pacers to win this one. Yes, and I'm thinking because at home, too, is going to help the Pacers. Go yeah, their only home game in like a an eight-game run here. Yeah, so th- that's a nice time to kind of get back in your bed. Probably probably back home from Atlanta late Saturday. Slept at home the past two nights. That'll be good for them. Yeah. Um, okay, next game is they Wednesday night. They take on the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are they the worst team in the West right now? Uh, easily, yes. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure they were seeing the league right now or are the Wizards now ahead of them because they managed to – The Pistons might be worse than them. I don't know. Okay. Well, they're in the bottom. Um, do you have their numbers up? I do. They are 27th in offense, which is stunning to me. 24th in defense, 29th at minus 8 net rating. They're 6-20. and 20. The, the, the blueprint for this team – yeah, ugh is right. The blueprint for this team was obvious. We have Malik Beasley and we have – uh, D'Angelo Russell, and we have Carl Anthony Towns, and we have Ricky Rubio, and we're going to score a lot of points. It's going to be really hard to guard, and that makes a lot of sense to me in, in theory. I mean, that's not going to be like a title team or even win around in the playoffs team, but it's going to be a good team, and they haven't been good. They can't score at all. 27th in offense for a team with Russell and Cat is crazy. They're 26th in three-point percentage. They're 27th in two-point percentage. They just get absolutely nothing from their non-Towns guys. And Towns has been in and out so much this year that he even is having a down year scoring-wise. So I played in six games, so I don't want to harp on that too much. But they just haven't gotten what they needed this year from anyone except for D'Lo Towns, basically. And they are not looking very good. Oh, and D'Angelo Russell missed uh, their Saturday game with an injury. Yeah, I don't know what how long he's out for. That was a surprising out, I believe, from reading. 
So we'll see if he plays or not. Um, if he doesn't play, I think the obvious one butchers count. We even need to like. There's no one else to talk about. <laughs> I mean, Malik Beasley's having a really nice year. I mean, I believe he had a 40 point game against the pitchers last year, right? Malik Beasley. No, no, no. Carl no. Anthony Towns. In I wouldn't put it past him for right? sure. I, I know he had a big game against him when they, and they, I think they beat him last year. Once it was in the, Indiana. Oh, I went to his game log from this season. He, they have not played the Pacers this year. Stupid. Um, all I remember from the from the Timberwolves is that like the Pacers played them last year and Butler played or two years ago, which was a miracle because he was only on that team for like five games. Uh, oh, only twenty seven. I swear Towns did better than that. Maybe it was a different whatever. Uh, Towns is a beast. Like no matter the Pacers having a lot of size and, and guys who can guard inside and outside, like doesn't matter. Like he's just he's just too good to defend. He can shoot threes. He can pass. He can dribble. He can post up. He hits an absurd number of free throws. So he can't foul him. He's just a beast. Like. The, Picking him as a butcher is like cheating because he's so he's so good against everybody. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the other, only other option is I mean, Leak Beasley. If something Russell might play. Okay, but Russell's know. not even having that great. Of, I mean, he's having. Yeah, he is. He's okay. playing well. Okay, I mean, yeah, he's playing. He's doing. He's playing his averages right. Forty three, nineteen points. Yeah, like he's scoring well. That's important for him. But that's something that's up with Russell. That's kind of strange. Is the assists? I think or what they need more from him that they're not getting because. His true shooting percentage is about league average, and given that his usage rate is, is astronomical, like that's fine. You know, you can uh, you can have a good offense with that on the floor. He's only averaging like five assists a game, and the, the Timberwolves uh, currently rank 18th in assists, so they're getting cr- a lot of creating for others from other guys. And given how much he has the ball, I think they would have liked him when they traded for him to be a little bit better of a distributor, and that just hasn't happened. So he's a good player. He can obviously score well. Pacers handled him well with TJ Warren last year when he was on the Warriors, but. I don't know if he's good enough to be butcher material. I think it's just Cad and like I guess Malik Beasley's scoring a lot and can go off, but he's not like a threat threat. Yeah, um, I think on the X factor side, this is, this is a bench game. Um, I was thinking that as well. Oh well, sorry to take yours. I guess we're we on everything. <laughs> um, maybe if you want to pick one, definitely TJ McConnell kind of game. Uh, just high energy. It also, I believe it's a back to back for the Timberwolves, so Ooh, it's worth, it's worth noting. It? Nice scheduling for the Pacers. It is, it's their home back to back, so they're so the. Sort of home against the Lakers on Tuesday, which will probably get blown out. So maybe they'll actually not play the Stars all a ton of minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think I'm going with the bench for this game. So Russell missed the game, their last game, like you said. Here is the 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 Timberwolves bench against the Hornets on Saturday night: Jaden McDaniels, Jordan McLaughlin, Jalen Noel, Naz Reed, Jared Vanderbilt. How much do you know about any of those guys, Adam? Oh, I feel like I've heard the name Nasreed. <laughs> <laughs> Nasreed's a pretty pretty okay player. He does well in fantasy. You keep up with fantasy, so maybe that's how you know. Uh, this year, I've, I've actually not been that much of my fantasy. Wow. Weird. I actually have I the best Nasreed team in my league. I LSU. I have the best team in my league. I just – I have had the Look same guys. Jaden McDaniels is good. He's a good rookie. I know a lot about him, actually. He went to uh, Washington. He's going to defend. Anyway, that's a lot of young guys, not a lot of experience. So they, they rely a lot, a lot, a lot on their on their high usage dudes to do a lot. And, like, it's fine. They're good players. They sign them to be contracts for a reason. But it's very rare for the Timberwolves that all of them have been able to have good games at the same time. Ricky Rubio struggled, and thus this team is not very good. So the bench is a great pick. Uh, I'm going to pick a bench player, I guess. Jeremy Lamb, sure. If Jeremy Lamb can play a lick of defense any game, the Pacers should win the bench minutes. He's, his defense has been so bad. But that dude has been lighting it up, scoring. The guys I just named, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, uh, Jarrett Culver, Vanderbilt. Um, I mean, I can go on and on. The, the Timberwolves bench guys, most of their guards just aren't that great of defenders. So Lamb could be able to draw the fouls like he's been, hit some outside shots, make some stuff happen. So he could be a crucial one this game because if he plays a lick of defense, he'll be a positive player against this team. Yeah. Um, 
I don't really see why the Pacers lose this game considering the Wolves' record and the back-to-back. I know it's in Minnesota, but like this is the kind of games you got to get uh, if, if you want to be a you know remain a, a top five seed. Let's say, right? I mean, we talked about yeah. it. They they've lost some of the good teams that could have won, but like you can't lose the 15th team in the West when they're on a back-to-back. That's just it's not a good sign unless something like crazy happens. I just Cats so good that I will never write off the Wolves. Like even they could be like. But their Wolves are so bad this year. Even yeah. Cat could score forty five points, and I'm not sure. It would matter. What are they in the six games he's played? That might be a dumb question. But what's their record in the six uh, games Cat has played? Do you know? Best. Um, he's played in six games. They won the first two. They're two and four. Looks like two and four. They won their first up. two and lost the last four. He's played in. He's a, oh yikes! I mean, so. They played Detroit and Utah to start the year, but Utah wasn't that good. Then they played the Spurs, Grizzlies, Clippers, Hornets, and winnable games in those other four. Yeah, that's Clippers surprising. Okay, so that's a two and four still better than their record in terms of percentage. Anyway, any game Cat plays in, I'll give the Timberwolves a chance, but the Pacers should definitely win. I agree. Yeah, the back to back is what kind of to me. I know it's like a weird thing to keep it on, but I always think the back to back, especially against a bad team, should be a win. Their last game of the week is the most fascinating game ever. And before we even get into it, the Pacers could lose this game on pure emotion alone. Well, they're in Houston, so that helps. That's true. But it's the the Vic, when called, not return game, but the Vic no, revenge game. Yeah, they already played the Rockets in Indy. So the Vic return game will be next season. Unless Depending on if probably when the Heat come to town. Oh wait, He could be traded again. Who knows this year? I mean, who knows? He's hurt right now. So the, the getting ahead of this Rockets game could be weird because – Exum and Oladipo are the guys they got in the trade. Exum's out for the year, and Depot's foot slash ankle got hurt a few games ago. And he's hurt. Christian Wood's hurt. So they are losing a lot of offense right now. If Wood and Oladipo both can't go, I mean, the Rockets are screwed for this game. Since the trade. Well, hold what? on, too, Tony. They play Friday nights if it's back to back. Which means Vic also he was but, definitely not playing in that case. Well, it depends, right? If he misses all week, he could play Saturday, right? Yeah, that's true. He still hasn't been playing in back to back for this Rockets team. So who so, knows? So the weirdest thing. Uh, for the Rockets into the trade. Right after it happened, they just go crazy. I forget the exact day of the trade, but they won one, two, three, four, five, six. They won six in a row right after the trade. Then they lose to the Thunder and beat the Thunder the following night. And now they've lost five in a row since. So they're like seven and five, it looks like, since the trade, or seven and six. But that includes a six-game win streak and a five-game losing streak. Yeah, but look at the teams they played. They played the Pistons, who are not very good. Mavs, who have not been so up and down. Wizards are not very good. Blazers without McComb have been very average. Pelican Thunder. Yeah. They aren't playing so, their murderers in row that those six games. I'm not trying to dump on the Rockets. A lot of it's that Christian Wood's been hurt and, and Depot doesn't play back-to-backs. While they've held out for rest a few times, right? Like, they, they have good reason to be struggling. They're an up-and-down team. It's kind of hard to get a feel for who they are since this trade and since they gave up hard and they haven't really been able to shoot threes despite having good shooters because he isn't able to set up guys very well. So they're very rocky. Uh, they're currently 26th in offense and fourth in defense. So that's the most opposite of the Rockets expectation thing I've ever heard in my life. But uh, the, the way you beat this team is just try to score on them because they can't really, they, they can't really score themselves. So uh, their offense is stale. I think the Pacers can get a win against this team like that. Because they still don't yeah. have centers, ironically. Yeah. Um, in three of the last four, the Rockets have scored under 100 points. So it's kind of – actually, yeah. in four of the last seven, too. If, if Christian Wood doesn't play, their offense is is just so bad. I mean, they, they have no self-creation at all. Like, Wall can kind of do it capably. He's Wall's been good this year, which is remarkable given his injuries. And Depot can credibly do it, too, although we've all, we all know what he's been since the injury. He was good for the Pacers, but he's still, you know, up and down. They just don't have a lot uh, in, that, in that regard. It's very, uh, it's very interesting. 
right? So it's pretty much assuming that Oladipo doesn't play because of the back-to-back injury. Assuming what doesn't play, it's the John Wall butcher game, right? Maybe Eric Gordon. Yeah, he, yeah, he's a stud. He was good, and when they played in uh in earlier this year, he's one of the few guys you can actually call back to that game from. He's yeah, I mean, it would, the other one to be Eric Gordon could be a butcher. He's averaging eighteen points a game right now. Yeah, they're asking a lot of him with uh, all those guys out as well. He's probably a pretty big trade candidate too, right? Or too much. No, money. his contract is atrocious. Does he have only? <laughs> I thought he only had one year left, though. No. No, he's three years left. He does really? Holy crap! Yeah, I, he I, got I an extension. He, well, good for him. I'm glad Darren Morey got. <laughs> I know. I'm glad for him. Yeah. Made the NC products rich. <laughs> that will come yeah, back to our had, community. You know, Eric Gordon had 20 points against the Pacers earlier this season, and Wall was incredible that game, right? Yeah, he had 28. So. Um, even though Harden was not trying and was doing all of everything he could to be on a different team. Um, Wall was still fantastic. Gordon was still fantastic. So they can get a lot from those guys in a way that makes them dangerous, right? Like they were in that game with the Pacers the whole time, but it's hard because they don't, you know, if they don't have Wood, who I believe played that game. Oh, no, he didn't. He was also out. Um, So yeah, they'll just struggle for offense, I think. And if their defense can be good, like sure, maybe they have a shot, but they'll struggle. It'll be tough. Emotions will be high in this game, though. Yeah, I mean, X-Factor-wise, I, I would almost expect somebody like Brogdon to have a great game just trying to be like, see, you should have stayed with me almost all the <laughs> Yeah, 35 last time against this team. That's saying something. Um, I already picked Brogdon this week, so I don't know if I could do that again. This could be a Miles Turner finally get a chance to swat Vic kind of game if Vic did play. Let's play. I mean, that's, that's kind of thing I'm thinking about, but I don't know. I mean, that's somewhere I, – I think, honestly, from this should be anybody's chance to be a butcher just because the Rangers are not very good. You know who did really well last time the Pacers played the Rockets? Who? Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday. Oh, yeah, 20, 20 points. points. Shot very well from deep that game. Uh, plays good defense. They don't have a lot of wings, so he's, he's a tough matchup for that team. He's a good choice. I want to pick a big, though. They, especially if Wood doesn't play, they have Boogie and then, like, nothing uh, <laughs> at center. So they're getting a lot from guys like Jay Sean Tate and P.J. Tucker to guard post guys. But you know, one of Turner Sabonis is going to be good. I already picked Sabonis this week. So I'll give Turner the nod for a good game today or today in this one because I think that he'll have some favorable matchups. He's been playing well this year, like we highlighted earlier. So uh, I'll pick Miles. So it seems like right now I'm about to pick a three-game win streak this week. Wow. Well, so that made that's really five-game win streak. Sorry. I cannot buy the Pacers going on a run this season. <laughs> Uh, they're know, due, man. I feel like they're just kind of due. Look, look, like, look. This this schedule this week, three games in in this many days. Yeah, uh, but two of them are back to back for the other team. That helps. I know. No, that's. I'm saying that's a good thing. Three games. Oh, is oh, a good I got gotcha, you. This gotcha, season, gotcha. they usually play four or five games in a week. Like, like cupcake schedule, not tough teams, especially if Depot and Wood can't go Saturday. Like, yeah, I can absolutely see them going three and zero, and I have no doubt. You know, I, I'm gonna pick a win in every game individually. Like, it's an odds thing, but. Over the course of the week, I'm just guessing they'll go two and zero because two and one. of who they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, let's put it this way: the Atlanta game when they were down, what maybe seven, eight in that in that third quarter, and basically won by twelve, and that ended up being kind of not a close game um, towards the end of it. Gave me some hope. Let's put it that way. Right? Yeah. I was like, oh, this Atlanta game is a classic game. They're in it. They're in it. Then they just kind of can't get, can't pull it out late or whatever. But they just that fourth quarter, they were so dominant that I was like, oh, this team maybe has it in them finally to kind of, you know, at least some of these lower level teams just kind of even if they're staying it for three quarters to push out in that fourth quarter for a big one so i feel like this is, this is the wins you are, are 18 and 8 in your preseason predictions and i'm 12 and 14 so i'm stupid. wow i am smoking you. you are smoking me so far it's very impressive uh you had them winning all three this week and i had them losing in houston so uh, if if the if adam's genius preseason predictions are to uh to be continued because you remember you you picked a big win streak right now for the season so if Adams' uh, continuously dominant preseason predictions are to be expected, uh, there's a chance that they go 3-0 this week. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we will see. Um, 
like always, we will bring you some previews and post game shows this week. I think we'll have um, I'll have a post game on Tuesday of the Bulls game. Tony will preview the Minnesota game on Wednesday, and I'll bring you a post show on Thursday, and we'll bring something else on Friday, probably a preview of the Houston game and maybe some general discussion topics. Talking some trade. Yeah. Are we getting to our trade deadline? How close are we to that? No, no, no. We're gonna. I, I just wanna, you know, while we have, while we have time before the Houston game, maybe talk more about that Depot Carriage trade. Why not? Oh, I got you. When do you think? When, when is the trade deadline though? Just I mean, not that it will matter. Late March. It's far away. Oh, well, okay. All right. Well, we'll see about that. Do we do we know when the new schedule will drop too? In the second half, or do they wait till the That's first? That's a great half? question. I have no Finish. idea. All right. Well, I guess we'll find out when we find out. <laughs> um, as always, you can follow Tony at Teased MBA on Twitter. Me at Freeman Five. Our podcast at Locked On Pacers. That is all for Locked On Pacers podcast. We will see you guys again tomorrow.